And away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast brought to you, as always, by our good friends at the Holy Grail. And good news, the Holy Grail is in for another year. Not that that's a surprise, but they will continue to be our longest-running sponsor and the number one sports bar and grill in Cincinnati. So whenever you're down at the banks going to a Reds game or a concert or whatever it may be, make sure you're hitting up our good friends at the Holy Grail. Get yourself some nice cold beverages and uh, some great food and an awesome atmosphere down at the banks. They will get you taken care of. And uh, make sure you're supporting those that support us. And super excited to have our good friends at the Holy Grail in for another year. And they'll also, uh, it kicked in a little extra. They're going to be, Dave, how you like this? They're going to be sponsoring a couple road trips for Keegan Nickerson to be out on the road covering the Bearcats this season as well. So that's why they are the best. I I was at the Holy Grail today, in fact. There you go. If you were down there, you got to stop by the Grail. At least stop in and say hello. Yeah. And especially when you're in a suite, so you get free food and alcohol all day. It's the only way I go to a baseball game, but yeah. (laughs) It was good. It was good. All right, we uh, we once again have a lot, not as much as last week, but still quite a bit to get to as uh, the offseason uh, pushes forward and we get through camp and conference realignment and everything else that you have going on in the world of sports today. But before we get into our first segment, we'd like to thank our sponsors of the Big 12, uh, what, whip around or preseason preview or whatever the hell we're calling it, Dave. It's brought to you by our good friends at Team Ticker. You can see the new one right here, the Seapaw. Aaron's got the Bearcat. I've got the Seapaw. And our good friends at Team Ticker. It's a one-of-a-kind sports sign for Bearcat fans. It's a high-tech retro display that provides daily updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, betting odds, and much more. No, no subscription required. If you're looking for the perfect addition to your man cave, a gift for that special Bearcats fan, or what better gift for a Bearcat fan to have in their dorm room or their apartment than Team Ticker. Go to teamticker.com and pick yours up today. All right, that brings us to our Big 12 segment this week, and we push on with the Houston Cougars. Rob Sellers, publisher of Cougar Digest, and Kevin from Cougar Digest, uh, joining us today to get a preview on the Cougars who will come to Nippert Stadium late in the season. And uh, Dave, I will turn it over to you as always, no, gentlemen. Well, Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. I do, I do need thanks, to make guys. a Appreciate point it. here. Okay. We go we go to Houston. Oh, they go to Houston, that's right. That's right. Yes. All right. That's but right. anyway. Too many ag reads in this so, last yeah. trip to Nipper didn't work out so well. So how about they, <laughs> they, they take a trip down here this time? <laughs> Most definitely. But uh, obviously a, you know, a one of us moving moving up in the world. I'll start kind of where we seem to gravitate to with everybody is quarterback. Donovan Smith transfers in from Texas Tech. From the outside, it seemed like he was coming in to get the job. Maybe not handed to him, but, you know, you're transferring in. You probably feel like you're going to be the starter. Now that we are through spring, through the summer, and into to you know regular season practice, is he 100% the starter, or is Lucas Coley have a shot? 
in front of him, like kind of where does that all stand as far as you guys have been able to tell, you know, a week or so into practice? Yeah, Hokerson addressed it the first day, uh, just backing up basically the remarks you made at Big 12 Media Day saying that uh, it was it was Donovan Smith's job to lose basically based on his, you know, 22 starts he's already got in the Big 12. That was his job. Now, Lucas Coley did have a year head start on him in terms of learning the playbook and the offense and all that. So uh, he reiterated day one that that it was Donovan's job, but that Lucas wasn't quitting and he had had a great July since since uh, Holgerson made those comments, even at, at Big 12 Media Day, that he had used that in a positive way and pushed himself some. So uh, I think it's going to end up being Donovan Smith, but I, I, I think you'll see both of them early on because neither one of them really had very good experience specifically here at Houston. Uh, so they're going to want to try to get them in early and get them as acclimated as possible ahead of time before things start getting crazy. Obviously, you're transitioning from a very, very veteran quarterback in Clayton Toon. What are, I guess, what is some of Donovan, if he does end up holding on to the position, what are his kind of premier elements of his skill set that will give the Cougars you know, a good chance to have a successful season? Um, I think uh, he's really a big dude for a quarterback. Like seeing him uh, up close for the first time in the offseason, just, I mean, he's a big guy, 6'5", 250, I've heard maybe even as much. And so uh, he looks every bit in terms of he's he's really tall in stature. He kind of towers over you. But when he's running, he doesn't really look 250 either. He looks lighter and he he has a good stride to him. Uh, I think for him to be successful this year, uh, he's just got to work on – uh, not trying to do too much. I mean, he's going to want to try to step right in and fill the shoes that, that Clayton Toon left. Um, and I think, that, I mean, obviously they're going to need him to perform well for this offense to run. They went out and got him a ton of young receivers. Uh, and, and the running backs, even though they lost Alton McCaskill to Colorado, they've still got a really good stable of running backs, a lot of different styles and types of bodies back there. So I think they kind of have situational stuff all good back there. It'll come down like every year for these guys to the offensive line, but Donald Smith's got to be able to step in there, provided the offensive line gives him a little bit of time and just keep it easy at first. As things go, you know what I mean? He's going to have the early jitters and stuff like that. So he's got to do a good job of just, I would say being a sponge early on and soaking all this stuff up early on so that, that when it comes meat and potatoes time and the games mean more and they're not so easy, he's more settled in by then. Everybody's kind of gelled up. You mentioned McCaskill transferring to Colorado. Stacy Sneed comes back. He had a pr- pretty good year coming in and probably not expecting to play nearly as much as he, he ended up doing. And then I think Houston brought in at least one running back transfer, I, I want to say, from West Virginia. How does yeah, that sure, yeah. how does that room kind of shake out? And everybody thinks of Dana as, you know, air raid, but he's really not really a tempo guy. And do you think he'll lean on those guys as Smith kind of, like you said, gets his feet under him and some of those wide receivers kind of realize that Tank Dell's not there and somebody's going to have to take those targets? That's true. And I think they probably have a Tank Dell replacement on the on the roster, maybe not quite ready just yet, but I think they've probably got a guy that they can fill in from all the young talent that they've had in the offseason. But, yeah, the running back room, they had, they had the West Virginia running back. He comes in with a ton of experience in the Big 12. Uh, they bring back Brandon Campbell as well, who missed a lot last year due to injury, but he was a USC transfer the uh, summer before. And so he, he comes in with some good experience. And he looked real good. Uh, matter of fact, he looked real well. He, he runs very uh, violent, if you know what I mean. When, when you see his runs, it's 
it's it's always forward, always falling forward. You know, he, he's very purposeful about the way he runs. So I think that's a good Abastacy Sneed. Uh, they signed a couple guys, including a four-star, kind of like an all-purpose back out of the Houston area uh, in the last class. So they'll start looking for ways to kind of put him in. He's dangerous, fast, like a 10-3 type guy. And so um, as they've added this speed at the key positions, which has always been one of those things I guess they've kind of been able to do, but they're going to have to continue to build, uh, you know, different styles as well. You know what I mean? As you get into the Big 12, the uh, – the, the weekly grind and the bangs and bruises and all that, it's going to add up. So they're going to have to have quality bodies back there to rotate. But I think they'll be good. It, it stinks a bit to lose Alton McCaskill. I think he's going to be a great running back. Um, but I think if there was anywhere probably they could they could withstand losing a guy that caliber is probably the running back room, uh, especially after they add another body. With Tank gone, I'm assuming you were alluding to Matthew Golden as being the guy – hoping to kind of step into his role, uh, maybe not get as many targets as Tank got, but kind of be that next-in-line guy. Who else besides him on the outside are you, are they going to feature and, and that fans should, should keep an eye out on? Um, so, obviously, yeah, Matt Golden's one of the guys that everybody knows from last year as a freshman, and he's going to be a focus of the offense again. Uh, Sam Brown is a guy that was around last year, had some big plays. Uh, played here and there, uh, and he's got a lot of promise to him as well. He is a guy that transferred in uh, in the previous summer as well. And Joseph Manjack's another guy. Missed a lot of time last year. He's going to wear number zero this year. I was just doing a write-up on him today about the zero jersey. Uh, he is very, very good, very hard-nosed player as a receiver. He's another guy that transferred back here from USC. And he can play all positions as far as wide receiver. That's one of the things they really like about him is that they literally can line him up at any of the spots and he knows what he's doing. So uh, those three guys obviously are going to be there. A couple young guys, they signed. Uh, there's a, a young man, Jonah Wilson, who's a true freshman, four-star. They flipped from Texas in the middle of the season last year. Uh, local guy, he got in and he's looked good. It's just one of those with freshmen, how quick, how long is it going to take? Even – even Matthew Golden last year took a few games to really get going real good, and you can see the progress as the year went on. Uh, but if it's not going to be Matthew Golden, uh, one of the guys I think I got my eyes on, one of the freshmen uh, to contribute, hopefully this year I would imagine, uh, on the inside, kind of more of an a Tank Dell role, is Jacoby Banks, another local kid. He was a high three-star. He's similar to Tank in that he's, he's small in stature. He's got that wiggle, very elusive. Uh, good burst of speed, you know, he's, he's able to stop and start real well, stuff like Tank did to kind of create separation. So uh, I think, again, they've got a, probably more talent on the roster this year at wide receiver, but less experience in that it's it's not it's not there yet overall. It's talent, but just not field talent yet, you know. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. And Mikhail uh, Harrison Pilot also, the, the other freshman. Oh, that's in. true, yes. He was another freshman, yeah. the four-star, actually the, the highest-ranked kid that they signed. He was more of an athlete in high school. They played him all around. Uh, we'll see how quick he uh, adapts to being just a wide receiver at the college level. Talent-wise, I think he's ready to contribute. But, you know, as a wide receiver, he's probably going to have to learn some more of the nuances. But, yeah, he's another guy probably that, as far as the future goes for wide receiver, they got a big crop of young ones last year. So, yeah, a lot of talent there. We're just going to see who pops first. 
Well, Boogie Johnson oh, also, Rob. Oh, Let's sorry. not forget Boogie Johnson also. Again, yeah, it's it's been wild this offseason. I was just talking yeah, about this on the board a lot. as well. How hard it is in, in this day and age, just really for all of us, I would imagine you guys are in a similar position uh, with, with predicting stuff with so many new faces coming and going from the transfer portal. And how's that going to fit? You know, I'm, I'm sure Cincinnati went out and got some big 12-type guys, you know what I mean, to, to from the portal. And so you're looking at a guy like Holgerson was saying the other day, you got a guy that's got Big 12 experience and you got a returning starter from the AAC. Well, these guys are going out in camp. Someone's going to win here. So with all these new faces, it's made it difficult. He mentions – Kevin mentions Boogie Johnson. That's a transfer from Oklahoma State, another wide receiver that had a tremendous freshman year for them, and they were, you know, not happy to lose him. So, again, there's a ton of talent. It's really – it's hard to figure out who's going to pop first, you know, who's going to be the first guy to kind of become the playmaker in the offense. 33 new guys at Cincinnati, 33 new scholarship guys, 23 of them are transfers. Only yeah, 10 41, freshmen. I think, was the number coming into camp for Houston, 41 yeah. new faces. So similar. It's just tougher and tougher to try to – how's that going to translate? You know, how does a guy coming from the Big 12 with two years' experience, you know, if he wins, how, you know what I mean? It's tough to plug that in your brain to try to figure it out. But it's made it more fun, right? It's more interesting, something else to ponder and overanalyze for us. So, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, you're standing there with your roster, like at practice. Like, uh, is that? Yeah, it's made it tough. Yeah. It really has. Well, UC has one returning starter on the offense and one returning wide receiver in the whole room. Wow. So, yeah, we've been. I, I've always, I've always joked that Chris Scott, the returning wide receiver. Remember the last episode of Fresh Prince? Yeah, he's when just he's standing, standing there in the room. living room, like kicking, kicking air. Like that exactly. was Chris Scott this spring. Like, where where happened to everybody? The, the shocking rough. part is the wide receivers have been the story of the spring or the summer yeah. because they they're really good. Like somehow yeah. they went out and restocked that room with a lot of talent. When we were in April, going, oh boy, like they might they might have to run fifty times a game. Yeah, and and uh, I don't think the transfer portal could have come along better for the four schools that are making that transition right now. Yeah. Just for the ability to quickly flip a roster like that and add some some more some more talent quicker than you would in the old school days. So sure. it's probably come along at a good time in terms of these guys trying to quickly get up to speed in the Big Twelve. Offensive line wise, Patrick Paul coming back very, very good offensive tackle. A couple other starters returning, but I noticed there was seemed like there was quite a bit of depth transfer out yeah. from the offensive line and maybe some projected <laughs> starters as well. How how is that group, you know, coming together, and, and what do you expect from them? Given that yes, they do return some key starters, but whether they were projected starters or depth guys, it felt like there was a lot of older players that transferred out of that room for some reason. Yeah, coaching change got them in the off season. They they, they uh, made a coaching change on the offensive line, uh, and and it did. They had one guy that was starter at left guard last year, Cameron. Uh, Johnson that that followed uh, the former coach over to Missouri. So that was one. They lost the left tackle that would have been back up to Patrick Paul this year and Trevante Sylvester. Uh, he was kind of the tackle of the future, though. Again, that's where it hurts you in terms of not immediately, but now you got to figure out what you were going to do after Pat Paul leaves this year. So um, those having, you know, Pat Paul, I think, has really, really started to see his draft stock rise more and more. He's really good. Such a we were talking just a, a couple weeks ago at, off, at an NIL event they were doing it. Just the, the change in his body from when he came on campus uh, to now, he was he was just a big kid back then. Now, 
he's so lean that uh, he's at a great playing weight, but when you see him without pads on, he's got so much uh, room to still add body mass to him. So I think he's starting to see his draft stock really start to rise up. Uh, I've even heard a couple of people just giving him like maybe even first round type grade if he has a good year. So it's going to be the anchor over there on the left side. He's really good. They're going to need him to be really good, obviously, with the new quarterback back there. Uh, Jack Freeman at center comes back. He's a multi-year starter. Uh, set for a year, a couple of years back when they had a grad transfer come in, Cody Rusty, uh, who was like a four-year starter at Life Tech, came in. And so it actually helped Jack a little bit sitting that one year, kind of learning from, from Cody after Jack had been thrust into the starting center's role unexpectedly the year before. Uh, so, again, Pat Paul and Jack Freeman's in the middle at center. Those two are pretty much locked in. Uh, the rest of the guys, it's kind of a, a hit or miss. They're piecing it together. They picked up uh, – Peyton Dunn is a guy they picked up from Louisiana. I believe Louisiana Monroe, if I'm messing that up, one of the Louisiana schools, I apologize. But uh, he had known uh, the new offensive line coach, Iman Nagavi, from, uh, from a previous coaching stint with him. So, he brings a ton of experience in at left guard. He started multiple years at left guard over there, and so – I think that's probably their initial answer on the left side there. Uh, and the right side, they bring a lot of guys back that have been in the rotation. They had a lot of injuries on the right side last year. But, guys, they, they did lose the guy that probably started the most games at right tackle last year. I almost forgot him. He did enter the transfer portal. Uh, Looks just for another opportunity with one year remaining type deal. So, uh, again, the, uh, this is the, the hardest part for me. They needed the most help was offensive line after they lost the, the few in the offseason. So, um, I think they're pretty set in terms of they got uh, bodies in there. Who's going to win the battle in camp type deal? They've had a, a couple transfers from Texas on on the roster now for two years. Tyler Johnson, he's a guy that uh, we got and talked to in camp the other day. Uh, and he has started a lot of games for them last year between right tackle and right guard. He moved around a little bit, but he's going to be in the picture there. Uh, Jalen Garth's another guy that came from Texas that will – likely be in the depth mix there on the right side as well, probably at tackle. Uh, they went out and got another guy also from uh, Florida International. His name is Shamar Hobby Lee. Uh, I've kind of got to know him a little bit in the offseason thanks to the NL opportunities we've had to be around them. And uh, good guy. You know, he brings a lot of experience from Florida International. I think that might end up being one of the guys that's in the mix on the right tackle spot over there. So, I mean, I could keep naming guys that, that I'm not too familiar with, and it, and it falls back onto that whole how are these guys going to plug in and once this gets going. They're going to need to avoid the injury bug in 2023 for sure along the offensive line just because of the lack of depth there. But uh, I think they've got a formidable front five for sure. It just kind of depends on, you know, what how else things play out around them and all that. We'll flip it over to defense where in 2021 they were great. And then last year, it absolutely <laughs> fell off a cliff and, you know, finished, I think, 106 in SP plus defensively or something. Mm. I mean, something in the hundreds. And Sounds worse <laughs> reading, mag <laughs> reading magazines and stuff, it's like around maybe projected three returning starters. How do, like, how do they get better this year and, and kind of where are the biggest improvements needed on defense? Yeah, I think probably their biggest uh, the biggest problem last year is losing the guys they lost. I don't think they realized they were going to miss them as bad as they did, but they lost, you know, two cornerbacks that played in the league last year, Marcus Jones and Pepe Williams, and then uh, losing uh, Peyton Turner 
or sorry, that was the year before, but using Logan Hall from the from the interior line. They basically they weren't as good up front pass rush wise. And then the corners dropped off last year a bit, and that obviously plays yeah, off had some pass rush, yeah. right? Kind of feeds off each other. So um, I think they will be all right this year. Uh, they've got corners back. They brought guys in. They brought uh, 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 sorry, a safety transfer in from New Mexico, who was a local guy and went to New Mexico and was a freshman All-American. Just Adore drove Halsey. up over there. Yeah, yeah Adairi Halsey. And had a lot of guys chasing him uh, to, to land after the first year over there. And so he picked to come home to Houston. That seems to be a big ad from camp early on. A lot of guys talking about there. Um, they got a few guys back healthy. Alex Hogan missed a lot of year last year um, due to injury. And he's a corner, but he's going to come back, and he'll be there starting nickel this year. So, again, an experienced guy. He was a tech transfer a couple of seasons ago. So he's got a ton of experience. Again, similar to the wide receivers, I think they may have more talent on this year's roster than they did last year. But – how quickly does it mature and grow? I mean, they've had some guys last year. Jalen Emery was a young guy that had to step in and play uh, due to injury. And he kind of grew as the year went on. You really literally saw him get better. So guys like that are going to come in and they're going to grow. And some guys are going to take a few years to get there, but who are the ones that are going to pop and be ready early for you? Hopefully again, in a few spots on the roster, they're hoping for, they're going to need some guys to new faces to come in and, and be able to contribute right away. Where, where do and, you a, and another returner, oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, if I can, another returner, uh, Nelson Caesar, yeah. should, should I think, make an impact on, on the edge there also. Um, yeah. He saw flashes last year. Yeah. yeah. He'll be disrupted step it in up the backfield. Sure. Yeah. Where, where is the best, you know, given a lot of either guys stepping into expanded roles or brand new roles, like where do you think – you know, looking at it from say Cincinnati's perspective, where's where are they most? You know, where do you think they'll be, be most vulnerable if things don't, you know, gel? Is it up front still? Is that still possibly you know running running stopping the run is going to lead to other issues? You know, that, that typically happen. But is is that where you know it's it's kind of where the issue might still be? Yeah, probably so. Uh, probably uh, now defensive line. I like where Houston's at on that. They've got a real solid defensive crew coming back. And they've got a ton of guys, and they will rotate them big time. So I'm not worried so much about the defensive line. Um, but offensive line is going to be an issue for them. Uh, when, when you look at weak spots like that type thing where people are going to be able to take advantages, um, for sure the secondary is going to have to prove itself early on for people not to pick on them just because of last year. Uh, so they're going to have to prove, you know, they're going to have to get tested a little bit and prove that they can stop it before they're going to have people not do it anymore. So – uh, it's one of those things. It's got to gel. It's got to be better than what last year was. I, I don't think – I think injuries obviously hurt them some, the, the departure of the two corners to the league and whatnot. Uh, that hurt them, but uh, I think they still got a, bit, a lot of good big pieces that are coming back. They'll take a step forward this year for sure, uh, despite the competition step. But, again, that's another part of the equation that's tough to, to really kind of fit in there when you try to see just how improved they're going to be. You realize it's it's not the same competition as it was a year ago. Schedule wise, it seems pretty tough. You, you're giving yourself no favors starting with UTSA right out of the gate, <laughs> and then that one's, that one's got carryover from last year because UTSA yeah, lost at home. Lost in, in twenty fifteen. Yeah, 
So you got that, and then you obviously have you know your guys' schedule: Texas, Texas Tech, Kansas State, Baylor, TCU. So what are kind of knowing you know all a lot of the changes, especially with you know returning production when you lose uh, McCaskill, Tank Dell, and Clayton Tune, your returning production numbers are going to be super low. Yes, yes. So with with that equation and then moving into the big 12 part of the equation what are kind of the expectations around the program around the city you know from from your you know members things like that going into year one in the big 12. It's, it seems mostly like the consensus is uh and, and the ad has said as much too chris pesman uh, the, the kind of the floor for this is going to be a, a six win bowl game type situation that, that seems to be uh they think that's the floor, so to speak. And I think that's pretty close for the fans as well. Some of them won't pick quite that high. Some of them will, you know, homer it up and pick, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten wins or something like that. But uh, six, seven wins to me seems about where it needs to be for there not to be any offseason uh, distraction and discussion of how hot someone's seat is and this and that. I think six wins in a bowl game kind of gets you right on down the road, and I think they're in a spot they can keep building. Things head south, and and it and they don't they don't get to that six wins, which is going to have to include several wins early in the season as you look through that schedule, like you just did. Uh, then things I don't know it could get rough. I I think this it's one of those things. If the wheels start to fall off down the stretch, it could it's it start get rough down the, down in the later half of the season. So they're going to need to get early success, get their feet under them, and get some confidence going as they as they hit that Big Twelve schedule and. If you get there with having no losses or maybe just a loss, then you got to find you a couple wins there. So, yeah, I'd say six, seven wins is about where generally where the realistic people are, are at for them this year. What happens yeah. if it's only four? <laughs> well, if it's only four and there's no considerable, as long as it's as long as it's against <laughs> Texas, as long as one of the wins is Texas. Yeah, well, that's different, of course. They, they wanted real bad for that Texas game to be in Houston this year. They knew they were only going to get one shot at them, so they really, really, really wanted to get them in Houston. So I mean, we, we hear uh, a lot know, about Tillman and and Dana's relate. Like, is that as tight as people make oh, it out no, to really, be? They are. They are extremely tight. They do have a good relationship, yeah. but uh, it, like he said, if like Chad said, if you get to four wins. Uh, and there's not really a really good excuse for it. And it's just simply things aren't clicking and not working. I think it's going to be a busy offseason for Cougar Digest. And <laughs> yeah, I think it could be. You know, I mean, right. uh, I know Dana came out recently and was real, uh, came across as real confident in his buyout being kind of out of reach uh, toward <laughs> it nicer than he did. Never good. Uh, I, I don't know that that's the case. Uh, I mean, is, is any buyout out of reach for well, Tillman exactly. Fertitta if he really – well, True. It, really, that's what it kind of boils down to. And a lot of people kind of backhandedly joke that, that, uh, that he'll be fired when Tillman's ready to fire him, basically. Right. So, but, again, uh, you know, when you boil it all down, friendships are friendships and all that. But I don't think Tillman put his money where his mouth is for it to be a mediocre program. And they fought so hard to get to the Big 12 and – so they're going to want to see that things are heading in the right direction, you know? So I do think they have the roster to get there, but, you know, you know how the season goes, man. Is are you guys looking at this like we are? Like every game almost feels like a coin flip. Like it, yeah, you know, I mean, maybe obviously, a game or get, two yeah, where you're like, obviously, eh, the game's probably like not going to win that one. But Texas and stuff like that, right? Your obvious ones, you're probably not going to win, but. 
Yeah, it comes down to those those games like uh, West Virginia at home on a Thursday night. That's going to be something you're probably going to need to make sure you win because the wins aren't going to be easy to come by, you know. And yeah, and the the ones you do get at home, obviously. I mean, I don't know TCU. They're coming off the season they had. I know they replaced a lot, but uh, you know, you get Baylor at home. It's always tough telling Oklahoma State comes here. So I mean, you got to find you a couple in there somewhere. West Virginia seems like one. Everybody in the conference is circling that one. Yeah, ex- exactly. I think we can get that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, obviously, the storylines are going to write themselves for that one with them coming here, yeah. even with sure. Dana being. Well, I mean, if it's for. if it's if I'm a Houston person, I'm thinking we'd better beat Cincinnati at home. They just had a coaching change and. Half the roster turned right. Out. It's your like, podcast, though. I was trying to be nice. Oh, and all hey, yeah. we're, we're, we're no, we're very realistic about things. Like, no, if I'm no, a, it's true. That, if I'm a Houston fan, games. I'm going. We better not lose at home to those guys. If, if you're looking for teams you think should be weaker this year, that you hope to get one of those wins against, right? The 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 writing on the wall with the coaching change and all the turnover, sure. But I know Houston fan people are looking at Houston the same way. You know, look at all the like you just mentioned, Tune and Dell and McCaskill and. To start an offensive lineman, you know, it's easy to start saying, well, Houston ain't going to be able to move the ball, so that's going to be one that we need to get to. So it's well, going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really interested to see, though, how these four new schools do this year. Who, who's who's best prepared for I know the schedules are all different and all that, but it'll be fun to kind of watch, you know. And I know the fans are watching for sure. They remind every chance they get on the board about what the other schools are doing. So they love to point <laughs> out what everybody else is doing. <laughs> so I'm the sure it's the same part way. of it is. The, the, the irony of this all is you would think like, hey, Houston's got a bunch of guys that played against Cincinnati for uh, for an AAC championship uh, two years ago. But the reality is it's going to be like four guys on the field that played in that game combined <laughs> between yeah. the two teams. Cedric Williams, yeah. one of the tackles, he brought that up. While, uh, I was going through one of his videos a while ago, and he was saying that I was asking him if the team was ready for the Big 12 or whatever. And, you know, he was talking about there's a big group of guys that have done – you know, they beat Auburn in the bowl game a couple of years ago. They played Cincy in that big, you know, marquee game up there in, in Nippert and all this stuff. So they've had some big game experience, played Kansas last year in this and that. There's some things that they've been able to gauge themselves with. They always haven't necessarily performed as well against those teams or maybe come away with the win, but they shouldn't be shocked by what they see for sure. They've, they've, they've seen these teams for a while. Yeah. I just think it's funny that there's so few because of the portal and everything. Right, so in just a couple guys. of years that played in that game two years ago, two years. Like it wasn't, we're not talking three or four years where there, you know, there's going to be considerable turnover. Like, no, like not last year, but the year before, you know, like 18 months ago, these two teams played for a conference championship and the two teams that take the field will look nothing alike. Right. Yeah. Not many holdovers probably at all. Well, I mean, I'm thinking the new, uh, new college football, Deshaun Pace. Cincinnati Deshaun Pace, also, Dave. Who? Deshaun Pace and Taj Ward. Chris Scott. One guy Chris on off, one guy on offense, maybe. That's in crazy. Entire, in the entire offense. I know it's not that bad over here at Houston. Just in terms, of, I don't. They haven't lost that much. I mean, half well, the roster went to the NFL after that year. Yeah, yeah that's what Cincinnati <laughs> lost almost that whole roster to the NFL. Yeah, like, which is not a bad problem to have, but it is no. need to replace it now. <laughs> you got anything else, Dave? No, I'm all set. Gentlemen, it's been a treat. I'm sure we will uh, we will cross over some content oh, yeah. as we get closer to that game uh, coming up this winter. So yeah, uh, we'll have one for sure. We'll, we'll have our podcast running by then as well, and we'll we'll switch uh, opportunities or whatever in season. 
tell everybody where they can uh, keep up on everything going on with Houston. Um, for sure, check us out on the website, Cougar Digest. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Rob underscore Sellers underscore. Kevin's on the site. Kevin, you on? Are you on Twitter? Uh, that I you am, want to put uh, up there. <laughs> I, I haven't set anything up yet. You know, I, I filter okay. everything through you. So yeah, uh, it's in time. In time. Kevin's kind of just started joining the team. He's been doing a heck of a job, and he's going to get us squared away on more video stuff. So I'm well, super we're happy, happy to, to have him. Happy to bring you guys on, let you see kind of. I know, Rob, you reached out and said, like, hey, I got a guy that wants to see kind of how the StreamYard thing works and yeah. how you guys do the YouTube stuff. So absolutely happy to have you guys come on and check it out. And if you have any questions. You need. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that for sure. All right, gentlemen. Well, awesome. have a great night. And we will, All right, uh, you we'll guys do the soon. same. We'll catch up during the season. Y'all have fun. <laughs> Thank right, you. Appreciate you it, guys. All right. Rob appreciate Sellers it. and Kevin from Cougar Digest. Joining us this week for the team ticker Big 12 preview. Kevin, if you want, you can hang out in the background and watch the rest of the show or, or however much <laughs> you want. Feel free if you want to get a feel for things. Uh, so there you go, Dave. That'll uh that'll bring us to our first timestamp of the night. Unless you got other Houston, you want to talk anything else about Houston or no, I'm good. I think they, they covered it quite well. And yeah, we're, we're I mean, I think of the them and obviously them and UCF, our fans are the you know most familiar with, but sure. you know even them with like I we talked about replacing their three premier offensive players from the last not just last year from the last several years. I'm sure there's fans yeah. out there that don't know who the, don't really know much about who the new quarterback's going to be or don't really know what wide receiver they're going to be looking at to fill uh, the role Tank Dell you know did so well for them. So. I mean, look, we know what it's like to lose a 14th-year senior at quarterback. We do. We do. Been there. <laughs> Not too long ago. Yeah. <laughs> There's your first timestamp, the Turtles Brew timestamp. Zero carbs, zero sugar, gluten-free, bourbon-infused sweet tea, cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla, 50 locations. You can find them in greater Cincinnati. Visit turtlesbrew.com. Check out where you can get them and more information. Part of the proceeds go to Save the Turtles. Uh, they are in Cincinnati, Toledo, and now expanding into Central Ohio. 6% ABV. Dave can attest. A uh, delicious, refreshing summer drink. And while you're out there, everybody's on the hunt for Cincy Light right now. While you're out there, just check and see if you can find yourself a half gallon of the Turtles brew. I love that that's how they sell it. Just, just like a half, yeah. just half gallon. Yeah, big tea tea jug. Yeah, it's the, the whole story to me last week was oh, fascinating yeah. to hear. Like Absolutely. that crap. I'm not allowed to drink alcohol anymore. I'm not allowed to drink beer anymore. Guess I'm gonna have to drink my make my own creation. I'll just make make my own, and then go commercial with it and sell it all over the state. Yeah, it's an awesome. Story. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It is, but so uh, but yeah. So want to fill everybody in. I put it out on Twitter earlier, but for those that, you know, aren't using the Twitter, uh, the schedule is for the BCJ podcast and guests is set for now until the season starts. So obviously this week we had Houston. Next week we'll be talking BYU. Uh, the week after BYU with, I think his name is Jeff Hansen, also 24-7 sports, which, I mean, selfishly speaking, this change to the Big 12 has made our jobs significantly easier 
when yeah. it comes when it comes to talking about uh Bearcat opponents. But uh and then the week after that, the twenty third, one of my favorite episodes every year, we'll have Anthony DeFino from the athletic department on with us talk, you know, nipper, fan experience, the grid, whatever's new this year. So we always like to get him on right before the season starts. And then the thirtieth is the season preview show. We are four four shows away from from the season. So Crazy. And uh, unfortunately, we couldn't couldn't quite squeeze in the the you know Central Florida Golden Knights, but I'm sure no one's really going to be too hard pressed tonight. Hear me have to strain through talking to those guys. We could do a double episode next week. We could do U- Utah or BYU and UCF. Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could we even? like realistically do one of those without getting in a fight with whoever it is that's covering them. I mean, I, I could, I could come up with questions, but sure. I, I like that part wouldn't be hard, but the jokes would be like, it would be so hard to not tell the jokes. Right. It would just, I just would rather not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you everything, but central Florida information. We could, yeah. <laughs> there's, Trace Troco from uh, Sons of UCF wasn't he was I liked him. Yeah, I mean they've got some yeah some some guys that are pretty you know right down the line, but uh, you know, but yeah, I think what they're they're on that like Big Ten or Big Ten Twelve network or whatever, and we try to keep it in the family. And I don't think they you know I'm not sure they have a I know they have a board that runs pretty well, but I'm I'm not sure. They've gone through like five publishers. Though. They have. Uh, but no, but that kind of kind of sets sets the pace from now until the season. So uh, we won't be lacking of things to continue to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's big things coming. Big things coming here. Big things coming on the BDP. Maybe something else. What else is coming? Bubbling. Here? And just what we just what you just talked about. Oh, like, there's okay. Big I was shows like, coming. It's like, what else do I have? going on there's big shows coming here leading into the season got it there'll be good stuff on the bbp and then maybe something else bubbling for uh a different night this week every week that uh is new and that i think people will be really really excited about uh if we get to it we've been in uh negotiations with the rock uh to see if the rock of truth is going to return this year the rock uh, is going to be on our, our network Potentially the rock, yeah. Not Dwayne Johnson. Oh, uh, that's what I, that's what I thought you meant. No, no, no. Uh Jake uh Jake Sopko. <laughs> said the rock. I was like, okay. The rock, yeah, the rock of truth. Oh, okay, got it. You know, they've been on our network. Like they're they part of the family. When when is the Garrett, when is the Garrett, Garrett Campbell uh Kyle Trout podcast coming to the network? We're we're working on that. We're working on that. It's there's only unfortunately there's only so many nights in the week, right. so you know uh, we're trying to squeeze everything in. A lot of it is depending on uh, this outside this new project that is uh, bubbling that uh, will impact how the rest of of things play out. But if it happens, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Well, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. And then Bearcat Brunch is back on Sundays. Hell yeah. Sunday mornings. So Ready, ready to go. It's uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be good stuff. Um, camp. I, I, I've talked about all I can. Like I, I've covered every angle I can think of. 
do you have questions for me about essentially what is the first week of camp? I mean, it's hard. It's tough because they haven't been there yet. So it's like, yeah. And you guys do, you know, we've, you've written your reports and you guys talked about it Monday and we interviewed the coaches. I would just, you know, just kind of a week in. And I'm not going to say like compare, you know, compare and contrast to a fickle camp, but just like a week in what has even, it doesn't even necessarily have to be like a position group. Cause like the easy answer is like the wide receivers have surprised me. Um, but like a weekend, what is your overall like when you watch it, when you sit down, when you think about it? Do, do you watch and you say, "Man, these I'm not sure how we're going to win five games." Do you say, "Man, these guys might wow. might win a couple more that we're not thinking about"? Is the like, do you just feel like the talent, like watching the overall talent level, does it feel similar to what we have been accustomed to seeing the last few years, knowing full well that the schedule no. is totally different and the results might not be the same? But, like, what you're watching, does it feel similar? Does it feel similar to the team that went to the college football playoff? No, it doesn't no, feel No, probably not. To that. But, like, how about the year before that and then last year? Um, You still had on that team the year before that, like, you know, 14 guys that ended up playing in the NFL. Yeah, but they also were... had games where they, you know, played Yeah, bad and that's – they did – I mean, that, but that's football. Like, I, I don't yeah. I don't begrudge them for that. That's how it works. Um. What I would say is there's there's more talent um, at the top of the roster than I anticipated. Which, you know me, I'm ultra cautious on this stuff. Like, I want to see it. I want to, like, I'm not going to just, hey, this guy came from Florida, so he has to be good. Like, I, I, I've been doing this a long time. I don't buy that shit. Like, I'm not that easy to fool. So you're going to have to show it to me before I buy into it. And I'm starting to buy into it more. Right? Like, I'm starting to look at it and say, okay, the, the, the demise of the wide receiver room was potentially uh, premature. Right. Because there's dudes in that room. Like, Braden Smith is electric. Like, I, I don't know any other way to describe that dude than electric. Now, let's see what happens as we go through the second week of camp now that the now that he's been tagged by the defense, right? Like, now that they know, okay, like, this dude's not sneaking up us, on us anymore. Um, D. Wiggins has kind of not been as, like, we talked about him a ton in the spring, right? He's still been good, but he hasn't been as, you know, maybe as as prominent as he was in the spring. That also could have been because him and Donovan Ali were the only two guys that could right. pass in the spring. Um, you know, we were, we, and this is not a, a dig, but we were talking about Leslie Ando a ton in the spring. Like, you would hope you're not talking about a walk-on as one of your top two or three wide receivers – uh in a yeah, it, was a more prominent... like, it was more like Leslie Enda's been good, all things considered. Right. Um, so there's still a lot of development and and storylines that are gonna play out between now and when camp breaks, uh in you know, 12, 10, 12 days or whatever it is. Um, 
But I like the depth on the defensive line. I'm starting to like what we're seeing at that dog position behind Greshik with Jamal Williams and Tyler Gillison. And remember, I would guess Sincere Lewis when he returns from injury. It might not be this year, but like ultimately he's going to fit back into that that mix as well. Um, safety, I think, has been pretty solid. Safety is really difficult at in a camp setting because they're not allowed to hit. And that's like that's their job for the most part is to come up and hit or to make plays over the top. Um you don't get a lot of you don't get to see a ton of that in camp, but uh I like what I've seen from threats. Taj Ward has been solid as you'd expect. DJ Taylor has made some plays. Um so, you know, a a a, a positive uh momentum there. Um Offensively, I mean, I think it's still like it's going to come down to the tackles. I I feel good about what they have inside, and, and we've talked about that, and now you've added they seem to be really confident in D'Artagnan Tinsley. So that's another one that you just, okay, now if you feel good about Gerhardt, Kandra, Radosevich, and Tinsley, you've got four guys for three spots. And I, I think that's, you know, a, a good sign now you know can john williams continue to make progress at left tackle uh and and deandre buford at right tackle those have been the two main guys philip wilder has been kind of the swing guy um if i if i feel <clears throat> if i get through the next 10 days especially like talk to me sunday or saturday night sunday if i feel that the tackles held up in the scrimmage I'm going to start feeling a lot better about this offense than I thought because they're going to run the ball. They're going to have success running the ball. Um, And it might be a lot of two yards, two yards, two yards, 17 yards to where it's still five yards a carry or whatever, but it, you know, they get there in a little bit different ways. Um, But if I, if I feel better or more confident about the tackles, I think they're going to be able to throw the ball, especially over the top. Emory Jones throws a really good deep ball, and they got a couple guys that can go get it, which we had no clue coming right. into camp. So if we no clue, we just talk tackle. So I'll, let's exclude them. Kind of spin it a week or so in. If things don't show themselves better in the next week or so, whether it's depth is a concern or whether it's just the group is just not does not seem to be showing us showing you showing them much like where where would those concerns be i think i'm not as concerned about the run game because those two guys are they're a little bit undersized they're athletic they can get out and move in space which i think is a lot of the outside zone man you just you don't have to just line up and maul somebody you're moving left to right and you can use leverage and you can be smaller and have that be effective. Um, But in the passing game, that's where I think it's going to manifest itself. Like if you look at Emory Jones through his career, when he's had a clean pocket, he's been pretty good. And when he's had to, you know, at Arizona state, there was a lot of times he was running for his life, which isn't fair to put on a quarterback, but 
when you've had when he's had to like make a, a super quick read or make a, a really important short throw, those have been kind of his his areas of concern. Um if you're if you're struggling at both tackle spots, I don't care how good you are at guard and center. Right. Like you're gonna you're gonna speed up your quarterback, and that that for me is really the thing. Like if there's occasional pressure, that's football. If there's constant where he's now getting jittery, and what does he do best, Dave? What have we talked about that he does best? Throw the deep ball. If he can't stand in the pocket and feel comfortable to go one, two, let it go without you know, an avalanche coming down on him, then, then the offense is in trouble because if he can set up and throw the deep ball, that opens up the run game. That opens up everything else because the safeties have to back off. I mean, it's just standard common football knowledge. They can't stack the box to stop the run. If you're beating them over the top three, four times a game. How many more, Good to really good wide receiver days. Is it going to take before we maybe go? Uh, maybe the DBs stink. Um. So here's the thing that I think that's been interesting, and and I get where you're coming from on this because it's hard but to I, go from listen, where we. Listen, I know, but listen, I'm just I'm setting the table let, for let, it. Let me finish. You can you can add on in a second. What I will say is I haven't felt bad about the coverage as much as these guys have just been making plays. So uh, like the drill we talked about uh, Tuesday or Monday, where they were just lining guys up and running straight down the field, man, man against man, the DBs were in like hand up in good coverage and the wide receivers were making plays on the ball. I'm not overly concerned if a DB is in good position and has his head around, you know, and, and and the wide receiver makes a play. We haven't seen a bunch of guys just getting beat. Where I'm curious to continue watching is we have seen quite a bit of guys finding holes in the defense over the middle. Braden Smith, Aaron Turner, uh, we've seen Xavier Henderson running some stuff over the middle. We've seen... Uh, Shaman Mateer making plays. Now, what would that be a what would that tell you, Dave? They're sending no. heat from everywhere. And and they're not and, communicating responsibility. That's see, that's the thing. It's like I love Brian Brown's defense, but they gave up a lot of big plays at Louisville because if you don't yeah. get there, there's not you don't have there's just not bodies. It's not the guys might not really be out of position. There's just if you send multiple players into a specific gap and they don't make the play, there's just no one there. It's not like, oh, this guy missed a tackle. It's like there's no one there to even tackle the guy. Well, so, and also like, you know, you're you're bringing Brian threats on a blitz from safety, and you're dropping Dan Greshik into coverage to replace it. Well. I would take Brian Threats in coverage over Dan Gresham. <laughs> like that's that's just common sense. Like Threats right. is 5'10, 200 pounds. He's gonna be a lot better in coverage 
uh, than a guy that's 6'3", 260 or whatever Greshik's listed at. Like, I made that up. I don't know what he's listed at. I mean, that was that was a hallmark of especially Marcus's defenses is someone would fill, but there was always someone to replace. Right. And, and that's, you know, if the DBs and the safeties aren't communicating and guys are running across the middle or, you know, because they're thinking this guy's dropping when this guy should be rushing. I mean, it just, you know, it, it makes me a little nervous that a group that we had so many questions on added three or four guys. And now they're so good that they're working, well, out, working over let's, some. Let's also note that a lot of this is in reaction to the fear that the wide receiver room was going to be terrible. Right. But that's why I said like how many more days, like I'm not saying now, but, but, uh, like, but I think maybe this is my fault. The DBs haven't been terrible. There have been, the DBs have made a bunch of plays. The one guy maybe that like, I'm, I, if I'm, if I'm going to be like straightforward, the one guy that I think hasn't looked like he did in the spring was Jordan Young. Yeah. I mean, you Jordan guys, Young, I mean, in your practice reports and like, I don't think they mentioned him one time. He's not making like, he's not right. getting pass breakups. He's not, he had, he felt like he had an interception, at least one interception every time I watched him in the spring. I mean, I'm pretty sure he did. And that's where I'm coming from. Like you bring in some better receivers who let's be real. This isn't going to be still, isn't probably going to be one of the better receiver rooms in the, in the big 12. I think I mean, it'll be it'll be above middle of the pack. Well, I'll say that. Whew, I don't, I might I might beg to differ a little bit there. You haven't but, been to practice. How can you beg to differ? Well, I know what the rest of the Big Twelve has at receiver. Oh, you you've been to those practices? A couple of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, come get your eyes on it and see what we're seeing before. I I I think middle of the pack to slightly above middle of the pack is safe. The like a safe place to categorize where this receiver is. Right. Okay. So even if, if that's true, then he's going to be seeing a lot of guys that are as good or right around as good or a little bit better, a little bit worse. So, you know, that's, I mean, he's probably the biggest one because I mean, if he's supposed to be your one, a, you know, your CB one, I want to hear him doing a lot more stuff a week into camp than it seems like we, that he's done. just to make sure that I'm like, you, we talked about, we talked about this a lot. I don't ask people questions like randomly. I ask people questions that are along the lines of, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Cause why, I mean, why receiver, questions... why receiver DB matchups are very easy to see who wins. You either make the catch or you don't, you either yeah, but... knock the ball away or, you get the interception or but there's yeah. there's still stuff like what is he is he is he playing with the right technique is he in the right position if he's getting beat it, did he do so look dave you know the deal you've watched enough football sometimes the db does everything right and the like the receiver and the quarterback are on the same page quarterback makes a great throw there's nothing the db can do sure so but I haven't seen him making the plays 
that he made in the spring. How much of that is Emery's getting better and more comfortable in the offense? How much of that is the receiver room? Uh, the guys that he's guarding now are, are not just D Wiggins, like more talented. So when he was guarding somebody, not D Wiggins, the drop-off was substantial. Right. Um, and how much of it is like he maybe is just still, he's not having a great camp so far. And yeah, I he, think part of it, like I, I, I'm concerned of the third part because it, again, it felt like every day in spring was like, damn, Jordan Young made another play. Damn, Jordan Young made another play. And right now, I like if I go through five days of notes, I don't know how many times his name is on my paper. Right. And that's that's a concern. Yeah. That has to be a concern. I love, you know, on paper, in philosophy, the defense, but you are you are asking a whether it's new, inexperienced, um, however you whatever word you want to use to characterize secondary to hold up, you know, if you're gonna blitz that much, I mean you're you're not going to get there every time. So is it going to yeah. be t- totally feast or famine? Or are we going to be, you know, are these guys going to be able to make, you know, make enough plays to to keep teams from just being like, hey, we know they're going to come. So we're just going to do, you know, whether it's quick game, whether it's, you know, flood an area, things, you know, things like that, where you're just, you got some guys that either haven't played a ton for UC, haven't played a ton in their careers, period you know, are stepping into different positions with a new defense. So, I, you know, I know we all love defense. I mean, we think the defense is going to be good. I think the defense is going to be good. I like a lot about the front seven. I Obviously, I want to come out there and, and see some stuff, but that would be my kind of concern based on what you guys have talked about a weekend is just kind of how is the secondary meshing with the philosophy of what they're going to be asking the front seven to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sammy's been great. Like, Sammy's been been really, really good. So, uh, as much as I've been wanting to see more of Jordan Young, I feel like Sammy uh, is filling that void. Um, I, the other thing I think is weird is... Um, we're not talking about a nickel. You know what I mean? Like we, right. for, for, for years, we've talked about corner as a three position, like three person yeah. position group. So Deshaun Pace is doing a really good job covering that position. So like um, when, when, who, who typically, I mean, without a, "Quote unquote nickel." Like, is Deshaun covering Braden Smith? Uh, a lot of the time, yeah. Interesting. Like, he's the strong side coverage guy. So, tight end, slot receiver, like those are his responsibilities. Because they don't have a third. Like, they have four DBs on the field. Again, like I told you, like I've been saying all along, this to me reminds me of like a zone blitzing 3-4 defense. Yeah. 
where you have a rush end, like a rush linebacker, you have a coverage linebacker, two middle linebackers, and then four defensive backs. Um, so it's it's I'm still getting accustomed to watching that because it's not something I've ever it's not a, a an alignment I've ever covered before. And I'm not like I'm not a football savant by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, there's a lot of times I'm watching it and going, okay, this is how this works. This is how that works. But then there's other times like yesterday I talked about the uh, threats got a sack that I was like, where the fuck did he come from? Mm-hmm. Like, where was he in this alignment that he was there that quick to get to the quarterback? Um, And, and they're getting to the quarterback a good, a good deal. But they're also, when they're not getting to the quarterback, seeing, you know, a lot of big plays made. Right, the, so, the ball go over their head. Yeah. That's, that's you know, I'm sure some of it is, is going to get more and more interesting as the week goes by because now what happens, the offense is going to figure out the defensive alignments. The defensive alignments are going to figure out what the offense is in and be able to point it out pretty quickly. Um, But it's the age-old question in camp, Dave, right? Like, we're talking about the wide receivers. So if we're talking about the wide receivers, does that mean the DBs stink? Right. Or we're talking about the running game, which the running game has looked pretty good. Oh, no, we're at a three-down front again, and the running game is killing us. Yeah. Like, you know, it's (laughs) – I think there is just – I think rightfully so at this point. And to be clear, the defense has been ahead of the offense. I just think we were prepared for the offense to be so bad. Right. We expected it to look like the Bengals look today against the Packers. That's I mean, that's my thing is I'm I'm not saying that I have like blinded blinded trust in the defense and I don't think there could possibly I be have a way. concerns there. Right. But if you told me like I would much rather the offense be doing what they've been doing. Because if you'd have told me the defense looks great, the offense can't move the ball, I'm going, we're not going to score 15 points a game this year. Right. Right. I'm, I'd much rather be like, the, the offense looks a lot better than we thought. And yes, does that mean the defense might not be top 20? Sure. But it, they're still probably going to be good. There's uh, a lot how, of talent. How, right, exactly. There's more returning talent. There's, you know, the scheme, The there's just more, t- more talent in general on that side of the ball, especially at the top line you know, starters. Whereas, you know, if you're just like, man, the defense looks incredible. I'm like, okay, great. But like, we kind of thought that they could be very good. Uh, I'm much more concerned that the offense uh, is anemic because, you know, you're not going to win many games in the big 12, you know, 17, 13. No, you got to You got to put up points. I mean, Iowa State, Iowa State showed us that last year. I mean, they were one of the best defenses right. in the country. And, you know, number one across the board. Yards allowed, rushing yards allowed, pass yards allowed. Won four games. Yeah. Why? Because when the opponent put up two touchdowns in the third quarter, they couldn't respond. So when a game went from 10 to 7 to 21 to 10, they were doomed. They were cooked. I, yeah, I, I'm hoping what we're seeing 
is an offense that's going to be able to score more than 24 points a game in this league. Mm-hmm. If once I feel confident in tackle, I'll feel better about making that that uh, leap because I feel like the talent on offense is substantially better than we feared in like March, April. Yeah, right. And that's why I think it's been the story of camp. Have we probably done a little bit of a disservice to the defense at times because we've been? Um, Oh, it's, it's more of a known quantity, at least from a player standpoint. From a right, I I, I didn't go in wondering a lot about the defense. So now the camp yeah. the camp coverage philosophy has to switch, right? Okay, well let's focus on the defense a little bit more, and see why and and dig in on why the offense is having uh, more success than we anticipated. Is it because there's more talent? Is it because Satterfield's an offensive coach and knows how to scheme? you know, offense a little better than we maybe gave him credit for. I think that's something we have to talk about too, right? Yeah. So it's it's nuanced and we're only a weekend uh, and we still have, you know, what, Friday and Saturday uh, of this week. They'll practice tomorrow, but it's closed. So we won't be there. So they have three more days this week and then another full week uh, at, at, at higher ground. There's going to be a lot to unpack. And that's the fun we talked about, about this camp, right? Is because there is so much that that's unknown. And then when this becomes known, then, okay, well, then now we need to dig a little bit more into this. Right. And, you know, we'll talk to Brian Brown over the next week and say, hey, what's happening? Like, you know. You guys are getting some pressure. You're doing some of the sack stuff. You're, but you know, there, there's some guys running free, and there's there's some deep balls, and there's some runs that are that are hitting. Like, how do you how do you figure it out? Hopefully, what all of this over the first week means is that things aren't going to be as bad on offense as we dreaded that they would be. We're not talking about Emory Jones throwing a lot of picks, putting the ball in danger. Like, a lot of times when he misses, he misses to where, you know, it's it's incomplete. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's another thing, too, like, that is encouraging from Emory's standpoint because, I mean, we were pretty we were pretty honest about it in the spring. Like, I don't think he, he, it wasn't super impressive. And it doesn't sound like, from what your reporting has been and everything, like, there hasn't really been any days where you're just like, man, he just didn't have it today. He probably completed – you know, 48% of his passes and threw three interceptions and right. rece- and the receivers and the quarterback just weren't on the same page. Receivers like, were open, but there weren't completions, like balls were being missed. Right. It doesn't, plays were being it doesn't missed. seem like we've had any of those days. Right. There haven't been, you know, not yet. So, but um, I don't know. I mean, if you're a member and you're watching this, I'm sure you're reading reports and uh, watching videos. And so I'm not sure I have like a whole bunch of new stuff to, to ask you about. Obviously, I'm going to I believe I'm going to be able to get out there Friday and then I will definitely be there Saturday as long as this weather um, cooperates. So, um, yeah, it'll be nice. Hopefully there's a good lunch on Friday. 
I was so mad. Sunday, they practiced Sunday, but it was closed to the media. And they had Monterey Ranch chicken sandwiches. Oh, my God. Well, we need to call someone then and make sure they have them on Friday. Well, my fear is tomorrow is closed. They're practicing, but it's closed. They're going to have them again tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. If we go through a camp where I don't get a Monterey Ranch chicken sandwich... The travesty of not getting the exact free meal you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's about me, Dave. Well, the, the other me. sad part is that we can't. It's not like we can go to Velvet Smoke anymore either. No, that that's, exist that's anymore. A, that's a bigger deal than any of it. Right. We have to rely on them to feed us because our, you know, our go-to option doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> But uh, maybe we'll just go to Freddy's one day. Are they still playing the the um, purged song? No, I haven't heard the purge at all. The only they 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 do pump it up. They have like pump it up. Uh, I I don't know what it is like what they what they try to accomplish with pump it up, but they play pump it up and they do a live third down play, and that's it. And they go to the next like it's like a like a in between thing. Where they're like in a period, they'll play pump it up. Everybody will get together. They'll do one snap of team, and then they'll go back into install or like. So are we are we breaking whatever. breaking news that the purge might not be the third down song anymore? It's just not been a staple at Camp Ground. I mean, they. Do you remember the first day they played? How that? did I not remember that? Non, How would I not? Non stop. Was one of the most miserable times I've. I mean, I'm never miserable watching football, and that was like, are you guys serious? You're just going to do this we'll, on loop for two hours? We we walked to the other side to get away from it, and it was still. Oh, it's still super loud. Still really loud. <laughs> one of the one of the UC staffers that was there the first day was standing right like in front of the speakers, and was like. I hope they turn this down. Was like, oh, you're in for a long day, friend. You're in for a long day. Like, if you think you're going to be able to stand right here and talk to somebody, you're in for a long day. Mm -hmm. I would get behind the speakers and have your conversation. Has has Big 12 beat reporter Justin Williams been out to high ground yet? Apparently, he was there uh, Thursday last week when I had radio. Uh, okay. uh, but other than that, like he claims, he claims he's going to be around. But knowing Justin, he'll probably be there tomorrow when everything's closed and the like. You know, he's that big time now. Yeah. Uh, because he's you know a regional. Or you just show him and you're like, oh, I didn't know it was closed. I guess like I mean, I'm not, you're not going to make me like just get in my car and go back, are you? Right. Right. I mean, he's he's got more juice than all of us now, so. No, but also what's what's probably really going to happen, Dave, is he'll just be there Saturday for the scrimmage. Like, uh, like he's become a TV station now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he's not doing the hard work. He's get doing some, the easy. Get work. some B roll in the first fifteen minutes, and then call it a day. Yeah, you know, so or, or show. You know, he's not going to be there for the scrimmage, but he'll be there with like fifteen minutes left. Yeah, just uh, make sure he gets, get some quotes and then take. Yeah, on. he'll come down and be like, "Hey, buddy, what did I miss?" How they look today? I don't know. Maybe should have been here. I don't know, Stephen. We'll ask him the next time I see him. I'll ask him if he got his hands on a dishwasher yet. 
No, I think he's a he's a hand wash guy. Like he he enjoys the the pruny, wrinkly. You know, it, it's it's like um, it's like those guys with like a seven acre yard that disappear to cut their grass for like four hours. Yeah, I think it's his escape from having three young daughters. Oh. Daddy, daddy's doing the dishes. Not right. well, I figure if I was him, I'd be at high ground every day just to get away from that situation. You would think, but I guess his wife works and, you know, oh. somebody has to do daddy daycare. Yeah. Any, anything else, uh, anything else football camp wise? I mean, we, I think we kind of hit everything. Yeah. No, I, I will. I do want to give Keegan his flowers. He's, he's been a phenomenal addition. Great story up on Sauce today. Uh, talked to his high school coach. A um, bunch of stuff on him and, and graduating. He's been getting all the videos up uh, promptly. He's been uh, he's been asking great questions at the press conferences, uh, providing some great written content that was missing uh, from the site. So, you know, big thanks to Keegan. Um, he's going to have to become more of a part of these things starting next week. Uh, when Kelsey has volleyball games three nights a week, starting at seven o'clock every night. <laughs> so out of the frying pan, into the fire, kid. Yep. I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to uh, you know, Aaron, get it, Aaron, get it set up. I can do the intro. We get into the, you know, the BYU guest or whatever. And then he might have to hang around for a bit until you can get on. We'll get there one way or another. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. Um, when's it too deep going up on the site was, uh, was supposed to be today, but I got caught up in a couple things. So if I don't get it up tonight, which I probably won't when we're done with this, um, I'll get it up tomorrow, probably early afternoon. Um, I'll have it up before practice on Friday, because that was kind of the, the goal was before we go into this weekend with the first scrimmage, uh, I wanted to get what the two deep kind of looks like. Um, as soon as I, you can sleep, Daniel, you don't have to wait. Uh, you don't have to stay up. It's okay. <laughs> uh, my guess would be tomorrow, early to mid afternoon. I'll probably, you know, I've got the kid and the, and the dogs to deal with tomorrow morning. Uh, hopefully they're all calmed down. I'll have some lunch and get the two deep up on the website tomorrow, early mid afternoon. That's my, that's my goal. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot else. Um, go back through. The nightcaps have uh, have been very detailed on camp. Had a lot of camp talk on the BVP on Monday. There's practice reports every day on the website. Uh, Keegan's got stories every day from practice. And then um, uh, all the videos. So we're, we're giving you guys – we're giving it all we got, Captain. Like uh, we we're, are, we're on the, I mean, we're we're approaching the too much content. We are providing as much, if not more, content than we've ever provided for camp. So we're giving you, we're giving you. Hopefully, your days are full, uh, keeping up with the camp content. And the key is when you have like a two-day window like this, that you have the content to kind of get you through the two-day window. <clears throat> One of the reasons I was slow on the the two deep today, I wanted Keegan's sauce story to kind of get the uh, get the flowers today, 
and then tomorrow the two deep will kind of take the lead. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have to say thank. I mean, if anybody is listening, watching, whatever, we have to say thank you again to everybody that you see that because yeah, if they sure. if they gave us SEC access, we wouldn't have very much content, or if they gave us the access that. 99% of it seems like you know whatever you want to call power four and a half football or whatever it is <laughs> uh uh gets anymore like we wouldn't have interviews with players and coaches we wouldn't have practice reports you'd have like hey this is what happened in the first 30 minutes and then they kicked yeah. us out <laughs> I mean Rob Sellers said he like he's been covering Houston he hasn't seen a whole practice yeah and it's like they, they, it's just, it, most places don't allow it. I think Keegan said Indiana would allow two practice. You could watch two practices a year that they gave like the as like an olive branch to the media. Yeah, you could you could come to two full practices a year, uh, and after that you weren't allowed to see I got anything a else. Pretty good idea of what the majority of those practices uh, were spent doing. What's that, Dave? <laughs> Special teams. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of camp and where we're at. Uh, let's go ahead and timestamp it with your Turtles Brew timestamp. Visit www.turtlesbrew.com for more information uh, and locations on the product. Six percent ABV, zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten free. It's a bourbon infused sweet tea. You can find it in 50 locations in the greater Cincinnati area. Go to the website, turtlesbrew.com, uh, and you can find out where to buy it. A portion of the proceeds go to Save the Sea Turtles. You can get it in Toledo, Cincinnati, and expanding now in Central Ohio. So there's your Turtles Brew timestamp. Uh, Alan, do you want to... Are you there? Okay. I'm here. Uh, yeah, you just paused for a second. Um oh, good. Do you want to get into realignment stuff now? Uh, I'm on a, a realignment hiatus. I have not looked at the realignment thread in two days. It's, it's very liberating. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly like don't really care. I have some thoughts, and I wanted to to uh, a couple of them. Yeah. See. Well, if, uh, if, first, if, before we like, if we're gonna do so, I think the the smart thing to do right now is associate our home field read with realignment because they have all of these schools under yes. their umbrella. Right. And, you know, now all the conferences are changing. And uh, if you want to just grant, like, if you've got new conference mates and you want to go support the conference. If you want to bear down and rep the A, get an Arizona right. shirt, you can. You, you just go to homefieldapparel.com. They're offering 15% off when you enter promo code BCJ23. Support the people that support us. Go to Home Field Apparel. And if you don't know, Home Field is a, is a premium collegiate apparel brand. They're based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel. They do vintage designs. It's not the cookie cutter stuff you see everywhere else. They're going to put some stuff out that you look and go, I have, I don't, I, Nobody's talked about that for 30 years. And here comes a home field shirt. Um, so that's that's one of my favorite parts. The apparel is as comfortable as it gets. 
like the, the I've said this a hundred times. My my gray, uh, old school Bearcat hoodie is the most comfortable thing I own. Um, so yeah, go to Home Field, fifteen percent off, and you can you can get your Arizona, your Arizona State, your Utah, uh, your Colorado, uh, or any of the other schools. I, I think you know what they should do. They should do random conference like packages like Mm -hmm. we'll just send you you pay us this amount of money we'll send you four pieces of gear from your conference so that everybody in every conference can can refresh and remind themselves i I mean but like what if they sent you some ucf stuff i wouldn't wear it (laughs) well that would be a waste so like I, I I think I've told this story when I when I they had I think they owed me like two hundred bucks from a previous ad deal, um, and they were like, hey, you know, we were the, the the wires got crossed, we owe you this money, um, and I was like, just send me some t-shirts, and they were like, well, are there any like are there any limitations? And I was like, yeah, if you if you send me something, Xavier. I'm going to roast you online and burn it. Like I'm not, I'm not wearing that. Uh, so send me anything but that. And they didn't send me Xavier. Uh, they did. They sent me a Wisconsin shirt uh, that was like two years ago. That now is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, that does I have. It say, a, does it say team on the back, or did you put it was like a wrestling? It was a national like a, champion. I think it was a, a national champion tank? wrestling shirt. I should get team on. I should just. I should sharpie. No, just get like some electrical tape and put that on. <laughs> I got a really cool uh, University of Mines shirt uh, that's I, I don't, it's in New Mexico or somewhere. Colorado. Like Colorado, yeah, I really cool one of those. A really cool Hawaii shirt. Um, uh, I got a Roadrunners shirt that was that was pretty cool. So they they did a good job, but I told them don't send me. Anything with an X on it. I mean, do, they even, it do they even have anything? I think there was something. There's like one small Xavier collection, but that's when you're small time and you've only got ten thousand fans. Like, it's like just a do one, like a Marshall ended our football program type shirt. <laughs> throwback. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was. It was like this is our only bar with this, the the Dana Gardens sign. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I know Dana Gardens watches everything that we do. So, oh, I'm sure that was for him. Um, all right, let's uh, realignment. Uh, apparently, Stanford and Cal might be going to the ACC. Dave, here's my auto response. Sure, why the hell not? <laughs> I ranted enough on Monday. I don't. I don't have any ranting left. Yeah, I don't think I have any ranting. I do have a couple of questions, and okay. and I'm not gonna. I'm not going to take the side of the big bad TV people uh, because I know that obviously, you know, so much of this is driven by TV. Sure. And, and um, you know, the Big Ten is expanding for the simple fact that Fox is paying them to get more Oregon, right. Oregon and Washington. So, like, I can't sit here last week and say that I don't like this for the sport and then say, like, Oh, I'm totally cool with the TV people, but I keep hearing this thing, especially with the Pac-12, of like, 
you know, TV is determining, you know, what properties are valuable and they're ruining the sport. And I'm like, no, no your fan base is determining right. what properties are valuable. TV is picking the ones that are valuable based on right. the metrics that they feel are important. And your schools are not meeting those metrics because let me put it this way. Who's the team and program or school or whatever that's not in the power five right now or whatever, however you want to say it, that has that sells out their 70,000 seat stadium every weekend that is in a top 50 media market that has decades of success. Like who, who is TV being like, man, we don't need them. So they're right. They're, they're picking. There's nobody like, that's dominating the rating ratings. that TV's like, no, no, no. We don't want you. No. So it's like, yeah, I don't like it. And I know that they got their hands in this shit way too much, but it was, it was all started by presidents athletic directors years and years and years ago. I mean, in the eighties, you used to only be able to be on TV three times a a season and like Notre Dame didn't like that. They wanted to go out and do their own thing. Georgia didn't like that. They wanted to like have the SEC kind of go out and do their own thing. Like going back through the history of all this is, is very interesting. And I'm sure ADs and presidents now, if they would have known what would have happened, they probably wouldn't have gone through all this, but we're, we're here. So there's kind of no point in talking about that. But like, don't don't give me this whole like, well, TV's just deciding everything, and and you know, I feel so bad for this, but, that, and the other. But, it's like, I mean, TV is deciding everything, but you, the sport decided that the sport right. decided that that's the way they were going to go. Exactly. That's I mean, that's that's my point, and it's like they're not like picking, just hand picking a bunch of programs because they just feel like it like they're going off of what makes them money and these are the programs that have been making money in the sport for decades so you know if you you know yeah stanford has had good teams i mean shit they had several guys in new york for the heisman trophy and they've won you know back then they won bcs games and stuff but like you know that is not a valuable property to television regardless of like what the overall academics is or what the, um, you know, and it just goes back to like, you know, they're going to say like the big, to the big 10, like, yeah, you guys can add Stanford, but we're not giving you any extra money for it. Right. Like I'm sure Fox split up the pie already. Fox was like, we'll give you this money for Oregon and Washington. If you guys want to add Stanford and Cal too, go ahead. But then you're just splitting the money we're giving you for Oregon and Washington two more times because right. we're not, we're not giving it to you for them. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, I know last week we talked and, and I kind of said like, I don't, I don't like, I don't like it from just cause I'm just like a general college football fan. I think it's bad for the sport that like a whole portion of the country, like just, just kind of exiled out. But like, I'm a UC fan. I really don't. Oh, right. Uh huh. Yeah. Only. Only people like me who have no life and watch for 12 straight hours and... No, 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 no. You're missing my point. Oh. Now USC and UCLA and Oregon... Oh, those teams, yeah. They're going to be on it at 3.30. Yeah, big noon kickoff. Those those programs are now going to have a chance to be more relevant because they're going to be on in time slots that people pay attention to when... 
the Pac-12, that's the thing I never got about the Pac-12. They could only play football at 7 o'clock at night on the West Coast? They couldn't well, kick they, off no. the on that's the, the thing Coast? is they they could have, but they were they weren't going to get the money that they wanted. So they that's the thing is like I always joke about this. It's a life thing, but it works here just as well as it does anywhere else. You almost always have a choice. You might not like the choice. Sure. You sure. might you might not like the other the the, the outcome or what you're going to have to do for that choice, but you have a choice. These schools had a choice. Like, I don't want to hear this bullshit of, we didn't have a choice. We had to move because the money. No, you had a choice. Well, did if, you see the what the Washington president said tonight? Uh, the Washington AD, yeah. Or AD? Washington the most State. truthful thing I've ever heard. The Washington, no, Washington State. A, oh, Washington. No, I think I only saw what Pat Chun said from Washington State. Oh, hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, here, let me find it and talk. No, but I'm like. You had a choice. You could have stayed in the Pac-12, but you think you need all that money. Like you could have, you could have played games at noon local time and three thirty local time. But ESPN told you they weren't going to give you as much money as if you played those games at seven o'clock local time. You chose to do that. Nobody made you do that. Right. You you chose, and it goes for every conference. Like every conference makes a choice. And they're, but they're, they're just making them all based on money now because of fear and greed. And like, you know, Oregon and Washington are so fucking scared that they're going to get left behind that they're, that they chose to take basically the same amount of money UC is getting for the next six years just to be in the Big Ten. So in seven years, when their contract comes up, then they can start getting a bunch of money. They chose to do that. So I don't want to hear you say, like, we had no choice. We wanted right. the Pac-12 Pac to stick together. It could have stuck together. You guys just chose to get more money. Damn it. I can't find it. So He basically said, uh, and I don't know if it was the AD or the president, but basically said, this is what happens when you have bad leadership. One of the, op one of the, the outcomes that happen when you have bad leadership is that you die? Yeah, that like, was the a, that was the Washington State AD. Oh, that was eight, the Washington um, State AD. But I will push back on him and say, who the fuck voted these guys in into their positions? You guys did. The ADs sure. and the presidents, you voted them in. So don't sit here and tell me this is what happens when you have bad leadership. You voted them in. You listened to what they had to say. You let Larry Scott take you on this sh charade of the Pac-12 network. Yeah, of course. And then you didn't fire him as soon as you realized that it was a total sham and that he couldn't even get you on direct TV. You didn't do anything about it. Like, so do not tell me like this is oh, this is what happens when you have you you're the ones that hired him. But he was right though. It is what happens when you have bad leadership, uh, but it's their fault. They put yeah. the bad leadership in place and then followed the bad leadership. And then he ran like it got run into the ground. But that's why I'm looking back at the ashes, going, "Well, that's I'm what like, happened. I'm like laughing at all the all these college football media people who are like, Pat Chun, he's he's pulling no punches. He's telling the truth." And I'm like, "Look in the mirror, man. This is because yes. of you guys." He <laughs> is telling the truth, but they are also culpable in that truth. Exactly. So, like, I'm tired. Like. It's it's something that I think about all the time, whether it's in real life, in sports, whatever. Like you always have a choice. You might not like what that choice is, 
Right. You, but you, you have can, a choice. You have a choice. You got an ADs and presidents and conferences for a long time have chose to, we're just going to go where the money is because we're afraid that if we don't have the same money as these schools who already have more, like, that's the thing, like, we'll do it like a UC Ohio State thing now that UC is in power. It doesn't matter. Like, UC will never catch them because they have had so many years to build up the equity, to build up the coffers, to, like, the, these Pac-12 schools or ACC schools back when they all, when they added, you know, Pitt and Louisville and Syracuse and both, like, those schools chase the money. How's it going, Boston College? How's it going, Syracuse? Like, right, right. You're never you you're never going to catch the Clemsons and the Florida States and the SEC and the Big Ten. Like, so you may as well be happy. Well, but but with, here's with, the thing, Dave. Don't they all think they're going to be Clemson? That's the problem. Is they they all they can't get left behind. And but that I I like that mentality. I don't want a coach to come in and be like. Guys, I don't know. I've looked at this roster, and I, I think I'm a decent coach, but I, I, I'm I'm not that good. Like this every awful. every coach comes in and thinks that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna turn it around. Yeah, but, but but what I mean is, everybody thinks like Clemson was always Charlie Brown, right? The football always got pulled. They never could get over the hump. Like, yeah, they had some success, like way back when. Yeah, but, but they, like, but but then all of a sudden. They, 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 they hit the exact coach at the exact right. right time in a conference that everybody else was going down and they were on the way up. Like, everybody tells themselves, we're the next Clemson. Yeah. We're the next school that's gonna, like, bump well, how many? Trend. I mean, shit, how many schools probably from the G5 have you, you seen in that situation? Sure. We can do that. We can we can do that. We're in Texas or we're in Florida. They're that's just as good as being in Ohio. And and right. they had, I mean, their fans probably don't know that. Some of our fans probably don't know it. There was like legitimate studies in the 70s, maybe 80s. I don't remember the exact time of like, do we need to get rid of football? Like, no, we are basically we are getting rid of football. Like it had to be saved. Right. Football was so, on the way out. Here. <laughs> for them to be able to do what they've done is is frankly remarkable because there's no track record of that at any point in the hundred year history plus of football at the University of Cincinnati. Yeah, but Clemson became Ohio State, Alabama. Yeah, like, but hey, good that, luck we'll trying. Good luck ch- stays open. Good luck chasing but, that. All you other schools thinking that that could one day be you. But that's what they think. Well, like they uh, yeah. think we're going to be the next Clemson. We're going to make that. We're going to hire that and right they, hire, and he's going to stay. If they were right, we wouldn't have half. If they were right, we wouldn't have half the coaching turnover every three years, right. that, like we have. Of course, so. they're not right, but that's what they think. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's I'm beyond this. Like you, ACC, you want to add them? You want to add SMU? My response: Sure. Whatever. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. Now, the other one I wanted to bring up is, I know Rick Pitino mentioned it. I've seen some other people mention it. Like, just let football do their thing. And, like, we'll do all of these other sports on on our own. And my question is, okay, who's paying for those other sports? Football. Still. So you think football is going to be cool with, like, you guys do your own thing. We're going to subsidize you. It's already happening, though. 
I don't, I don't think that's what's but, already happening. Not to that extent, though, because yes, I would, if, I'm, if I'm football, then I'm going, then this is my TV deal, not yours. And we're keeping all the money. Yeah, but that's like, that's already how it happens. Like, what do you really believe that like basketball and like basketball is to an extent, a smaller extent, but like that's no. already what's happening. That's already what's been right, happening. But, but nobody is, no one is saying that. No, no one is like, you're breaking off and doing your total own thing. If you're telling me that we're breaking off and because you want to have regionalized conferences, which I totally understand where you see whatever soft, no, not softball. Cause they don't have a softball team. Baseball. We use baseball plays right state, Xavier, Ohio yeah. state, West Virginia, Pitt, Kentucky. Great. But cash cow over here, football, I, you're not getting my TV money. But they've always gotten their TV money because they've always been together. When you so when you tell me we're going to break off, then I'm telling you, well, then we're not the same anymore. I, I understand that from a from a Dave standpoint, like how Dave views things standpoint. That's not how it's going to work inside the athletic departments. Football is still going to fund everything, and then, like I. I don't love the the general like thought of that, but I understand it completely. Like, why why does women's soccer have to go to uh, Utah and BYU? I don't dis- I mean, but like there are sports at UC that are not going to be in the Big Twelve, right? So shouldn't everything operate under that <clears throat> umbrella? I don't know. I mean, I just, I think you'd get big pushback from the football side of things being like, we were cool with sure, subsidizing. That's what, that's what you have an AD for to say, look, like, yeah, okay. You're going to get, okay. You're, you're bringing in $46 million a year. You're going to get 30 of it. And we're going to need 16 to do all this other shit. Yeah. I don't know. The football coaches don't run the athletic department. Oh, they don't. Well, South of the Mason Dixon <laughs> line, they sure as shit do. <laughs> but you get my point. There is an athletic director. There is somebody that oversees. Yes, at a lot of, of places, there is someone with the title athletic director. And then the football coach makes the decisions, <laughs> and the athletic director says, "Yes, sir. Thank you. Please, may I have another?" I, you're right. <laughs> I. I'm not against. I think the it's. Idea I think it's of, harder than just saying, "Well, just have football. Let football do their own thing." I think it's more. I think there's more nuance, and it's way more difficult to parse through how that would truly work. Like how, yeah. then, just say, "Let football do their own thing. Let them form whatever conference they want to form. Let them, you know." And then all the other sports are going to do something totally different, and. But but the football thing goes back to a rant that I had Monday night. When have these people ever gotten along? Oh, like when when people talk about like, well, the SEC and the Big Ten are just going to do their own thing. They hate each other. I mean, their their ideology is so polar opposite. Not even just the SEC and the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC couldn't couldn't have a fake alliance for more than like 
three months before Kevin Ward pulled a shiv out and st- right. and stuck it in George Klinkoff's back. Well, yeah, because why? Because the Big Ten was the power. Yeah. Like, they were the but it's power not, but, member but of that it's, alliance. It's, it's, you know, it's not his fault. USC and UCLA called them. And if we didn't take them, somebody else would have. Just like Greg. Right. I mean, Greg Sankey is 100% right. If they didn't take uh, Oklahoma and Texas in the somebody SEC. Somebody else would have. Somebody else would have. But please save me. The Big Ten would have. <laughs> please save me your indignation about how, like, we don't really have anything to do with this all this nonsense that's going on. And we wish it were right. still. Yeah, we're a regionalized conference that doesn't need the fourth time zone. and which that, is now total, has, that now has Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, and Missouri. Total shot at the Big Ten for by saying that. Um, sure. But, but like, oh, all... how, how brave of you to, to get up there and say that when, when ESPN and you – basically colluded against Bob Bowlesby, who you were working with on a college football playoff expansion committee. Like, three people. You, Bob Bowlesby, Craig Thompson of the Mountain West. And yeah. you took his took his teams because ESPN told you to. And, and Oklahoma and Texas were ready to go lose to some just a different team. They were tired like of Like Drinkwitz yeah. from Missouri comes out and, like, has this big, long rant. That guy was in, like, five schools in six years. And he's at a school now that left yeah. and is like one of the linchpins of destabilizing everything because they weren't happy with the Longhorn Network. Guess who they're in a conference with now? Yep. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah, I just, I wish, I just like, I'm still waiting for the first AD to just reverse whatever, just to be like, hey, bottom line, our. Our financials are bad. We had a chance to go to another conference, and it's going to help us out. And I don't know if that's going to result in any more wins on the field, yeah. but we just needed to do this because we we, we, we needed the money. And we, we think we can be good if we have the money, but if we stayed here and the, mon- and the gap in the money kept growing, we know we wouldn't be able to compete on the level that we think we could if we had more money. Just say that. The, the beauty of it all is – if you're in a conference, you're all competing with the same money. Like, and and with the 12-team playoff, like, this is where some of this is just fascinating because if a lot of these schools would have just held on to what they were doing, they would have had an easy path to the playoff. Well, yeah. Or an easier path to the playoff and an easier access to a lot of that money that they're now – like, yeah, they're going to get it, but they're not going to win. You know what they're going to be doing? Every three years, they're going to be firing and hiring a new coach. And they're going to be paying eight, ten, twelve million dollars $12 for this coach that they fired that that signed a, a six-year contract, and you fired him after three years, and you're going to pay $15 million for him to go away because $5 million a year is the – you know, is the the going rate for like a, an average run of the mill coach, and that money that was the difference, that was the gap between where you were at and where you wanted to be, is now going to be money you're going to be paying to that coach and his staff to go away, and then just when you're done with that, you're going to be firing your next coach and paying him eighteen million dollars a year because there's going to be three years left on his $6 million a year contract. 
because everything continues to grow. And like, it, it's a never ending cycle. Did you notice um, after what I met brought up last week, what articles started popping up this week about all this? What? Trimming the fat, baby. It's yeah. going to happen. You know, they're, they're, the all, main, they're, main. All, they're already writing the articles. What has yeah. Rec, Rutgers done since since they went to the Big Ten? And why would Ohio State be like, hey, why are we getting the same amount of as they are? And it's, what the I hell mean, is Maryland doing for the Big Ten? They've, they're already starting to write the articles and the drawing up the pseudo like, you know, divisions and, and new conferences. And, you know, these teams, these schools like, you know, sorry, Mississippi, Mississippi State, like you're just not in. The SEC is going to have to drop like nine schools. How funny is it going to be when they drop Kentucky and add UC? <laughs> I don't know that that'll ever happen, but it would be very funny. It would be very funny. <laughs> but like, like, honestly, who's the SEC going to have to drop? Oh, well, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, probably, like, probably not because of Nashville and like, and just. You know, they're always going to keep them because they're the smart kids. I, I think they, the I think they would would drop Missouri and the Mississippi schools before they drop Vandy. Well, well okay, but we're talking teams in the in the discussion. Oh yeah, Vandy, Kentucky, Mississippi, Mississippi, Mississippi State, State, Missouri, Mizzou, maybe South Carolina. I mean, they only came in in the in the eighties. Like they're not right, a. That's not a legacy. Nope. Yeah. I mean, they're at 16. We're already at six. Yep. That I they could drop. Yeah. Go to every conference could very easily be like, hey, ESPN calls and is like, hey, here's the deal. The deal we've been giving you, we'll give you this much more, but you got to get rid of four of these schools. You know how fast they would do it? <laughs> like, like you think the AC, like <laughs> ESPN goes to the ACC and be like, we'll tear up your grant of rights. And get you out of this 2036 nightmare, but you got to get rid of Boston college, uh, Syracuse, Wake. Forest. Wake. I mean, we, we pick the schools cause they don't, they don't bring us any value. Right. So these schools bring us value. We'll pay you for these schools and we'll pay you a lot, but you got too many damn schools and you need to cut them out, do it or else we're, you know, you don't think they're going to do that. They've been doing it for 30 years. They've been following the money. They've been doing what the networks want for 30 years. They're not going to stop now. And the networks are now in a position where they're trimming the fat. Right. Like, what, what, if, in, what if in 10, 15 yeah. years the network goes? You, you, you think, if, the, you think if, if ESPN will fire Susie Colbert, they won't fire Ole Miss? Well, like, what if they just go, we want, we want all the NBA. So either yeah. we get either we're going to spend this money on the NBA or we're going to spend it on you, but you got to get rid of these four teams. Yeah. What I mean, whatever the sport may be, you know, some I somebody know, go. No, I know, some, like we're we're going all in on uh, we want Monday, Sunday like, night football, right? I mean, who knows what it is? Yeah, but yeah, we're already all in on Sunday night football. But you get my point. But maybe it's another network. Maybe it's CBS, Fox, whatever. Fox is like we have a chance to 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 take. Something else. Who knows what it is at that point. But, yeah, I mean, don't – we've seen all this stuff happen for how long? I don't want to hear anything about, like, oh, that'll never happen. They'll never get rid of the get rid of schools. Okay. Okay. 
you know, Fox, I, I think Fox, was... Fox just bought Oregon and Washington for the Big Ten. Don't tell me for one second that they won't turn around and go, now you're going to get rid of schools. They just said Oregon State, Washington State. Sorry. Yeah. They put their torches out on the island. <laughs> yeah. Survivor, you're out. Great. You got a million people in Washington that watch the Apple Cup. We don't care. We want we <laughs> yeah. want we want Washington at Michigan cuz 10 million people will watch that. Right. We don't give two shits about Washington State, Oregon State. We're never going to pay for that game. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to hear that that could never happen. And you just pray to I'm not saying God. it could never happen. It's going to be <coughs> uncomfortable as hell when that oh. When it really comes to fruition, like when they have to do it, that's realignment. I want to be paying attention to. That's 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 my kind of realignment. That's where Dan. That's where Dan Simon excels. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're uh, we're, you're right. Like that's that's the part of it that's going to be fascinating. Fascinating. You can't you can't tell me that we're going to buy teams for a conference, but eventually we're not going to tell the conference, okay. We paid you a lot of money over these last however many years. And these two schools aren't pulling their fair share. So get rid of them. The numbers say every Vanderbilt game, and this is where Kentucky is probably going to be safe for whatever reason. A lot of people watch Kentucky football. Like I, I just threw that out as a joke. I know, I know, I know, I know. But like, like, like here's this team that here are the numbers for 13 weeks. And they never got over a million viewers. Well, they only like, did when they played Georgia right, or they Alabama. They played Bama Georgia, and those were the only two games that anybody watched. Uh, and all it was was to watch them get their dick kicked in 48 to 12. Um, and every other game was under a million viewers, and it didn't matter where we put it. it, it you know, they're not they're not of value. We, we're not making money on those games. They have to go. Hundred percent plausible. It's hundred percent. I'm not. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying it should. But please do not try to tell me that it can't. What's the number? I think it's sixty. I think there will be four sixteen team conferences. Sixty-four. I think. I think when it's all said and done, that's where it will be. I agree. I think 64 is a number that college sports fans are familiar and comfortable with. I know people look at me like I'm crazy when I say that, but a lot of it is like, okay, like this is college football is now the NCAA tournament. Well, it wouldn't get to that point where it's like a six game tournament to find a winner. No, 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 no. But But you know what I'm saying when they're selling it, right? The marketing of it, we have four 16 team brackets four six regional all back to regional schools like-minded schools everybody's within a couple hours of each other um you know maybe in the west it's a little bit different because you just have less schools to to put into a conference space but yeah i mean i think i think six four 16 team leagues is is where it ends up going and everybody else can do what they want um, here's where I disagree, Daniel. Daniel says two by 24 is what he thinks. Only need 48 teams to control the lion's share of the U.S. market. 
the NFL does it with 32 teams. Daniel, consider this. How did the NFL get to 32? They started at 8, then 16, then there was, you know, two leagues, and they merged the leagues. They built to 32. College football has been built for 100-plus years. There are more than 48 teams that have passionate fan bases that draw ratings. And if you're a TV entity, you are not cutting 20 teams that bring what you want. You're just not doing it. There's too many, there's too much, there's there's too many people wanting the inventory and wanting that, you know, you know what would happen if you go to 48 teams? There'd be a bunch of open time slots on these channels where they're not able to sell college football. So that's where I think the difference is when people talk about college football is going to cut down to 32 teams or, or, or 48 is not that far away from the number. But I still, I, I think there are far more than 48 fan bases in college football that are deeply invested in their program. And, and that takes me out to 60. I don't, I, I, also, I also don't know if like the actual conferences would want to manage 24 schools. Well, 48, it, it, it like two 24-team conferences, if you really consolidate that down into the best of the best, is a bloodbath. Yeah. It's a bloodbath. There's too many teams that are used to being good that in that situation would be five and seven or whatever, you know, whatever, uh, regularly and would see the cash cow dry up. So I think the number is closer to 60. That's, but that's why. Like, it, it's, I just think when you think about, okay, well, the NFL is only at 32. Well, it took the NFL 50, 60 also, years to get to 32. It's also two, it's like two, it is. I mean, it's two different conferences of 16 teams. Yeah. So, like, yeah. it's not one 32-team conference. Right. I'm just talking about, like, it, it's about brands, ultimately. Right, Dave? Yeah, for sure. There are, there are more than 48 prominent brands in college football. I mean, it was it was about cable boxes for a while and markets, and now it's about – now I think it is – actually about brands like and right and you know i think a guy for me and rival you know and rivalries and what what will what will the casual fan what will the like non like i'm not really a fan of these two teams but i will watch this game like i will sit down and i will watch this entire game and i don't really have a emotional or financial stake in either team I think that is where we are now versus, yeah, let's just add Rutgers because we're trying to launch the Big Ten Network and we want all their cable boxes. 
We want them to have to pay for a channel that we don't care if they actually watch or not. They knew they were never going to watch. They knew New York was never going to watch right. Raiders. But they got how many millions of people paying to, to, for a channel that they didn't maybe didn't even know they had. <laughs> So, but I mean, so that's why, like, yeah, I'm looking at Twitter now, and there are tweets about the ACC and meetings and a, a disagreement in the conference. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, Boston College doesn't want SMU, Dave. Pete Dimmel, SMU has also been bandied about along with Cal and Stanford, and those conversations sure. aren't headed anywhere either, per ESPN. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> no chit, man. <laughs> I do love that SM, and I, you know, I like giving SMU, I have a thing about SMU, I guess. Um, but like, I like that they're just being like, we don't even want the distro money, we just need in the conference. Yeah, we like, don't care. Like, have you seen that? They're like, we're willing to like literally not take any television money for five years. We just want yeah. in that bet. We're in. As long as we know we got a check coming in 2029, we're good. <laughs> and then I'm like, can we, you know, can they maybe make a conference AAC championship game first before we everybody you know, hammers their computer keys about how they're a sleeping, <laughs> sleeping giant. And if they get into a, if they get into a power conference, watch out. I'm like, how about they do something of note in their crappy conference first? You know, my favorite part about SMU as a sleeping giant is that it's all based on, they cheated better than anybody. Yeah. 50 years ago, 45, 50 years before I was alive. So that they have to be like SMU's got to be ready for 2023. Yeah, I did just get a. Uh, I was tagged in a tweet that the uh, Clifton Kroger has a lot of Cincy light right now. Nice. Hopefully, it'll be there Saturday, so I can grab some. I picked up a couple twelve packs the other day. I haven't. I haven't really been in a position to grab any yet. I checked the Independence Kroger today, and it was it was not available at the Independence Kroger, unfortunately. The ACC. How impressive is that? Like that shit is selling out across the city fast. Yeah. I mean, fast. Yeah. I've seen probably 15, 20 spots that like they got a pretty good sized shipment of it in, and it was gone in a day. Somebody said there the party central in Florence, which I was going to try to get to this evening, uh, got it in yesterday and was gone by eleven o'clock this morning. Jeez, they better better uh, can some more fast. <laughs> I think they don't know what they got themselves into. I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced of that. You got anything else? I don't think so. That was a full show. Good stuff on the uh, the Houston Cougars. Really good stuff on camp. Uh, a lot of stuff on realignment that's not 
what you're you're getting spoon fed to you on Twitter from two guys that have lived it for a decade. Thanks to the Holy Grail, especially thanks to the Holy Grail, back in for another full year, helping support Bearcat Journal, not only via this podcast, but sending Keegan on the road uh, to cover uh, the Bearcats as they go through their first season in the Big 12. So they are the best. Thanks to uh, Team Ticker right there, the new Paul, teamticker.com. Thanks to Turtles Brew. Thanks to Home Field Apparel. Thanks to you. Thanks to uh, our guys from uh, the Houston site. And we will see you next week. It's going to be a late one probably next week because uh, I've got a volleyball game that starts at 7. So it might be 8.30, 8.45-ish. But we'll be back till in this spot. Until you join. We will be on at 8 o'clock. Yeah, you'll be on at 8 o'clock. I, I'll be on whenever I'm on. Aaron? Yeah. Is going to be the uh, de facto co-host of this show yes. until I can arrive. We'll see you next time. That is the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.